with the introduction of Vue 3 actually being written in TypeScript, that was an eye-opening experience for me. Like, maybe I should really invest a little bit more time into fully understanding what TypeScript is. This is a framework I rely on every day of the week. And they said, okay, let's scrap what we had and start from scratch with TypeScript. Hi there, and welcome to PodRocket, a web development podcast brought to you by LogRocket. LogRocket combines session replay, error tracking, and product analytics to help software teams solve user-reported issues, find issues faster, and improve conversion and adoption. Get a free trial at LogRocket.com today. I'm your host, Paul, and today in this episode, we're going to be talking to Daniel Kelly. Daniel is a teacher content creator at View School. He has over 10 years of development experience, worked with a variety of technologies. I mean, this is a web development podcast, so we want to bring you experts. He's been in Vue, Nuxt, Laravel. We're going to be going over TypeScript, why you should use Vue with TypeScript, some of the new exciting features of Vue 3. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel. Thanks, Paul. Thank you very much. I am a human being for everybody out there wondering, and definitely dabbled in some other cool stuff back in the day as well. Maybe a lot of you have done some WordPress stuff and some jQuery stuff, Ooh. maybe some things you're not proud of. WordPress, that just really brought me back. We're in a different world today. We're going to be talking about Nux today. That's a totally different world. Yes. Different development style and everything. How long have you been messing around with Nux? So I think I first really used Nux for a Jamstack static site generated thing, just a little side project that I was playing around with back in maybe 2019, I think. And it was really cool. I was used to working with PHP on the server side with Laravel. So the whole node running on the server side thing was a little bit scary for me. PHP land is a little bit easier for me to understand. And having that Jamstack architecture was really easy to get into coming from the PHP side. So that was a lot of fun and almost picked up using Nuxt for a project we were using at work. We ended up not doing so. But since then, joining the View School team, I've used Nuxt for different classes, different courses and things like that as well as our Vue.js Forge event that we put on a couple times a year where we build a real-world project. So that's been a pretty cool experience. For somebody who's not in the Vue world, what is like an analog to Nux? The closest thing would be almost like Laravel, kind of, because you get like the server-side stuff, but then you get to write Vue components for your template layers. So like instead of writing blade templates, you're actually just writing more Vue, which feels really nice. You're not like swapping back and forth between different languages and syntaxes. I find it interesting you say Laravel because just by the naming convention, I think a lot of people think about Next, right? Absolutely. And so why did you say Laravel and not Next? I've literally never used Next. And if you're going to compare one-to-one, yeah, probably Next is the good parallel there. But to be honest, I tried React one time, just didn't like it. It wasn't for me. Why wasn't React for you? It just was so foreign to what I was used to. And then I started trying out Vue like just a couple weeks later and Vue just felt more natural. That's interesting to me because we're talking about TypeScript in this episode. And when a lot of people step into using TypeScript, they're like, okay, this feels more natural because I'm getting code completion. I'm getting like suggestions. I'm getting like organization in my brain just intrinsically. And my big thing that surprised me was TypeScript feels late to the party with Nuxt 3. I'm very curious why it felt like that saving grace to you when assuming at the time there was no TypeScript or it wasn't strongly used. 
Yeah, when I first started working with Nux, you could use a little TypeScript with Vue.js, but it was kind of painful. So honestly, I just avoided it, right? I used TypeScript for maybe some like little helper libraries that weren't specifically dealing with Vue. But when it came to my components themselves, I just avoided TypeScript. And with the introduction of Vue 3 actually being written in TypeScript, that was kind of an eye-opening experience for me. Like maybe I should really invest a little bit more time into fully understanding what TypeScript is because this is a framework I rely on every day of the week. And they said, okay, let's scrap what we had and start from scratch with TypeScript, right? And so there must be something to this. So if I want to make something maintainable like Vue, maybe I should consider TypeScript. With Vue 3, like the Vue 3 boilerplate code, where you do npm init Vue at 3, literally the first question after what's your project name is, do you want to use TypeScript? (laughs) So it's a very big part of it. And then in Nux 3, TypeScript is enabled by default. Like there's nothing you have to do except create the project with the CLI. So it's very easy to get started with TypeScript in Vue 3. And I think this is a big deal because I think for me, it was a bit of a hurdle to jump over. But with Vue 3, there's literally no excuse not to just try it out in the project. Do you think that this is a good opportunity for people to step into TypeScript as their first foray? 100%. Because you could have a Nux 3 project, for instance, that already has TypeScript enabled, and you could do all your components in just JavaScript. But then you find one single use case where, oh, it could be cool to use TypeScript here. Well, then you just add lang equals ts onto that single component, and you can start dabbling in TypeScript. You're not using it in your entire project. So it's really easy to get started that way. And so under the hood, I'm imagining it has that like omniscient ability to transpile at every component, but it only does it selectively. It's something like that going on. Yeah, yeah. I don't know all of the magic that's happening. I'm sure it's probably like the allow JS configuration setting in TypeScript somewhere in the configuration of Nuxt. And it just says, okay, we're cool with writing JavaScript here. And the TypeScript compiler just says, okay, that's JavaScript. We're cool. So bootstrapping a project is super easy. What was the command? For just plain view three, it's npm init view at three. And then for a new Nuxt three project, I believe it's mpx nuxy create or mpx nuxy init that's a good excuse to get started with typescript i feel like you can step into a framework and have that be like your language there's this like sigmoid curve about using a framework versus actually like learning how to code in node and that disconnect is always entertaining to see how frameworks try to glue that together and some do a better job than others and i think nux has really done a good job of it because it it just feels so seamless like i don't have to worry about where does the output file go and like blah 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 all this it uses Vite under the hood as the build system is super quick. But in a Vue 3 project, you can even see you're literally doing script source to your TS file. And that's the way it should be, right? Like you should just be able to add it and you shouldn't have to worry about all the steps in between. The first time I ever tried to import a simple JSON file into my TypeScript code, I was having a horrible time. I'm like, this should just work. God. Absolutely. That's really encouraging to hear about Vue. It's good the ecosystem is moving that way. And to be honest, for a guy that comes from like the PHP ecosystem with Laravel, that is one of the big issues with JavaScript sometimes is there's just like so many different flavors. You got your ESM modules and your require and all this stuff. And it's a very complex ecosystem. So to see frameworks really make the process easier is excellent. What do you think is something that developers might run into if they're coming into TypeScript for their first time? And they're used to developing in JavaScript that might cause a scope explosion or like a complexity explosion that people might want to look out for. 
I think when a lot of people first get started with TypeScript, it does feel like a little bit more wordy sometimes. You feel like you're typing things to make the compiler happy and your IDE happy, not necessarily make your code work. So some people have a bit of a bitter taste in their mouth when it gets to issues like that. What you don't realize is that down the road, you've actually probably saved yourself some trouble that now you're never going to get into. And if you hadn't had TypeScript in the first place, that frustration that you have for doing a little bit of the extra typing, a little bit of the extra things like that, it would probably hit later if you're just using plain JavaScript. I definitely think some people feel like they're typing for the compiler, they're coding for the compiler or for the red squiggly lines in their IDE. Sometimes that can be an issue, just in terms of how people feel about coding with it. Just a quick pause here to remind you that PodRocket is brought to you by LogRocket. LogRocket can help you understand exactly how users are experiencing your digital product with session replay, error tracking, product analytics, frustration indicators, performance monitoring, UX analytics, and a bunch more. Machine learning algorithms surface the most impactful issues affecting your users, and you can spend your time building a better product rather than hunting through tools. Solve user-reported issues, find those issues faster, and improve conversion and adoption with LogRocket. Do you feel like there's a general pattern of misuse of TypeScript that you notice? And I'm only asking because I watched a video with Matt Pollock, who we've had on PodRocket, discussing like some details about TypeScript library and the language and going into. And he said one thing is like, you don't necessarily want to type everything. When I first got into TypeScript, I would put that colon (laughs) <laughs> the type in front of everything. And it's like, well, no, that's not the point. I wonder if there's anything's like that, that you notice people coming in and using it in an incorrect way, specifically with Nuxt or Vue. I think people do tend to use that colon a little too much, like you mentioned, but Vue is really good at doing the implicit typing, right? It can take your initial value of a reactive ref and say, okay, the initial value is a string. So this ref is always going to be a string. Right. Oh, neat. It's really great at implicit typing, actually. You can have your computed props be implicitly typed based on the return of your computed function. You can have even in Nuxt, it's so amazing. You can have your API endpoints typed. Like you're making a request, and not only can you autocomplete the API endpoint slash API slash whatever, that's in your little drop down list of options. Also, whatever is returned from the response to that endpoint is fully typed. Honestly, Vue makes it pretty hard to do things wrong. Some people do get a little confused with defining emits from a component. The syntax is a little verbose for defining the payload for an emit. You kind of have to remember, just copy and paste it somewhere, put a snippet in your IDE is what I've done, and that helps a ton. I think it's hard to make errors and it'll autocomplete and stuff like that is a good call out because we're also coming into this day and age of code pilots getting better and better, like chat GPTs <laughs> out there. And I mean, specifically like code pilot, which is in your IDE, it reads your types and it's really neat when it reads a type. And if it's going to type my API endpoint, it would just autocomplete it for me. It just knows and it would be correct. Like that would be sweet. And I didn't know that Nux typed my API endpoints in the back end. So that's super. One thing that gives me an unshakable feeling of anxiety if I'm writing an express server or something is when I'm like taking that request body into mm-hmm. the function, I'm just like, what is it going to look like? Am I going to use like Zod? I mean, I typically use Zod, but you know, there's like a yeah. whole use TypeScript people. I'm really encouraged to use Nux and Vue hearing like all this gluing it does. It reminds me of Prisma, how it emits different types and I can follow those types, drill down and really see what different functions are expecting. That is a great pair actually for working with Nuxt and databases is throwing Prisma in there. 
And then you really have typing like across the entire app, right? Like yeah. you get your data layer from the database being typed to your back end, and your back end is being typed to your front end. I feel like typing and using Prisma and this general organizational hygiene is becoming pertinent. And you can find it in a lot of different frameworks. How do you think Nux specifically sits in between the Remix and the Astro of the world or like the Gatsby? Because Remix is like the server-side rendering king. Gatsby, Astro people are like the static king. It can be like set in a lot of contexts. I wonder like where you see the next few years of Nux down the road and who's going to be using it? Who are the customers? To me, there are some like holes in what Nux does compared to something like Remix has the special ability to load all these different pieces of data in parallel. And you don't have that in Nux. And Astro is really built for your no JavaScript unless it's really needed. While Nux out of the box comes with hydration and all this stuff, and it's really built for server-side rendering, though you can do static generated stuff in it. But Nux is adding on all these little things that are taking cues from these different things in the community. So I know for a fact that having some loaders like Remix uses in order to do things in parallel, I know for a fact that there are some people in the Next Labs team that are dabbling with that, if not actively working on a solution for that. You've also got route rules for hybrid rendering. Yeah, Astro, they were the big hybrid rendering poster child. So Nux has taken a similar approach. Yes, they are. And so you can do SWR on some routes which is the stale wall revalidate. You can do completely static on some routes. So the very first hit is run on the server, run in the Lambda function, whatever. And then it's cached indefinitely. So you can do that per route. You can also do complete SSR per route or complete SPA per route. So essentially four different options there for each route. Run everything in the client, run everything on the server, or do these different caching mechanisms. You can run server-side Nux stuff on hosting solutions like Vercel and Netlify, and all of it runs in the serverless environment. And all of it works with TypeScript. It works really nicely. How can you make a node general server-side run in a Cloudflare worker? It's magic to me, to be perfectly honest. Under the hood, they use a piece of software from the UnJS organization. So Nux Labs also has an UnJS organization on GitHub. And the piece of software is called Nitro. So it's basically this server engine that can run in any environment. It can run on Node, it can run on Dino, it can run on Cloudflare workers. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I feel like all these serverless things came out because they were like, we need to like control and constrict a little bit. And now they're like, oh yeah, well, screw you guys. Absolutely. And it's, it's really nice because you can use this no matter what framework you're using. This is a framework agnostic thing. And I really like what the Nuxt team is doing in terms of the UnJS organization. They're opening up a lot of possibilities to not just for you, but to everybody else as well. And so the hybrid generation is something that's already out, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. The hybrid rendering, excuse me. And then the generation where you can do it anywhere you want, that's out. Yes. And then the thing that you talked about that people are probably working on right now in the labs was that first thing we just touched on. The uh, remix style kind of parallel loading stuff. Is there anything else that's maybe not out yet down the road that you heard through the grapevine? Daniel Rowe put out a experimental package within the past three or four months to strip all your JavaScript away, like Astro, essentially. And I believe it's an experimental feature now in Nux 3. So they are working on that piece. So a lot of the things that these other frameworks are doing, Nuxt is 
either already doing or at least working on, and I'm already familiar with it. (laughs) So to me, it's not a really good incentive to to shop around. Totally makes sense. It's like you might as well continue being the expert in the domain that you're an expert in. Well, Daniel, if people wanted to learn about the differences specifically between Nuxt 2 and 3, because there's there's a bunch we didn't get into this episode, like dynamic roots have changed. There's a lot of other stuff that are different between 2 and 3. So what are like the top three that you would highlight on besides the dynamic root changes? Number one is probably the API routes. This is huge because they are typed and because you can have the API routes right there in your app. Like you don't have to boot up another express server somewhere or something like that. This is baked in. Number two would have to be probably the hybrid rendering because on the Jamstack before Nuxt 3, you're really talking about a build step where you're generating your entire site at one time. But now with Nuxt 3, you're talking about hosting on the Jamstack in a slightly different way with that SWR kind of caching stuff. And so that's really a big deal because the build step in the Jamstack, while it's wonderful for performance, it can be this thing you have to work around sometimes. Then number three would have to be the composition API being the first class citizen. Like everything in Next 3 is based around the composition API and If you work in the composition API long enough, it really just becomes very familiar and going back to the options API can be a bit of a pain, to be honest. So those are probably my top three uh, differences there. I do have a talk on this and we go over all sorts of different syntax changes and things. There's a great cheat sheet out there by a guy named, I think it's Harley, but he has a Nux 2 to Nux 3 cheat sheet. I will try to find the link for you and pass that on. But that's one of the best resources I found there as well. The composition API is a new thing that we mentioned. When we were talking about the differences between Nux 2 and 3, two of the things we were already like harping on because they're like so big and so profound for the ecosystem. <laughs> but the composition API was the new flavor of ice cream right there. So what is the composition API and why is it important that is a first class citizen right now? Composition API was the new syntax introduced by Vue 3, a different way of defining your the reactivity within your components. So in view two, the options API was all about defining different types of reactivity based on an option, right? So you have your data to define your reactive data. You have a computed prop to define your computed properties and so on and so forth. And they all had to live in this options object. And that really limited you to using the reactivity API only within the context of components. Now you had view X, which did a lot to get around that constraint, but that was kind of really your only option if you wanted to use reactivity outside of a component was use Vuex. But now with the composition API, instead of passing these options into Vue, you're actually grabbing the reactivity stuff out of Vue. And that means you can add it into a component, but it also means you could add it into not a component. You could just use it in the web browser. You could use it in what's called a composable, which is a way to kind of share logic between different components. It makes it really powerful. I even saw... My boss, Alex, who founded Vue School, he had a talk at Vue.js Amsterdam where he actually used the composition API with a handlebars application just to kind of show the flexibility of what the composition API could do. You don't have to use it within the context of a Vue component. It almost feels like a hyper-flexible like React hook if I wanted to put it in, into React context. And it gets a reusable piece of logic that I can really plug into different flavors of components, not just a React component. Absolutely. And hey, if you're feeling adventurous, maybe you could even use a view composable and a React component. So if it's a first-class citizen now, why is that different from it not being a first-class citizen in the prior version? What does that verbiage really mean? 
So in the prior version, like you had to download a different module in order to make the composition API work. To be honest, I don't even know if script setup was supported or not. I'm sure it eventually was. But uh, script setup is just an extra bit of like compiler magic on top of the composition API to make it easier to work with in components. So in Next3, script setup is like the default. And all the documentation in Next3, you've got composition API being used. And Next2, it's all options API stuff. It's threaded throughout the whole ecosystem now properly. Yes. It's ready for product. Gotcha. Remembering back to the talk that we referenced, I wanted to search up the name so that anybody listening can go look it up for themselves and see the difference between Nuxt 2 and 3. It's called Leveling Up Nuxt with Daniel Kelly. And this was in Nuxt Nation in 2022. Go check out that if you want to really get into a longer talk. There's great slides that Daniel had with good uh, good graphics. So you can go look at that. I worked on that a long time, Paul, so thank you. And um, if people wanted to learn more about Nuxt in general, like obviously go to the Nuxt homepage. You mentioned one or two individuals during our podcast. Are there any other like people that you would recommend folks follow or resources that besides the homepage that you would point people to? Sure, definitely. So in terms of people for Nuxt, I already mentioned Daniel Rowe. This man is a hero. Like He will answer any question. Anthony Fu is a really great resource for Nuxt stuff. He's on the core team. Puya Parsa, he's the mind behind a lot of the UnJS packages and just an absolute next level genius like <laughs> so far beyond what i can understand but he's a really awesome resource as well there is of course the next docs which now live at nux.com by the way it's not nuxjs.org anymore so i know that has confused a few people we have the mastering nuxt course is the official course for nux3 there's also a nux3 basics over at view school that i did not too long ago and it's really interesting short compact but give you the fundamentals kind of stuff. And if people want to follow you on Twitter, Daniel. You can find me on Twitter at Daniel Kelly underscore IO. And I have to finish the podcast with asking when you said he's a next level genius, do people in your circles ever say next level genius? <laughs> I don't. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, man. I definitely had that play on words thrown around. Absolutely. Nice. Daniel, thank you for your time. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much, Paul.